that everybody's been waiting with bated breath to dive into this text. Following the reading of the Holy Word of God, verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for what you've given us that we may bow before you with a hearty amen. And Father, rejoice as your glory is revealed among your people individually and collectively. And that, Father, we may see resurrected lives right before us. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Guys excited yet? <laughs> Last time I was with you, I shared with you out of the Song of Solomon and the Shulamite woman who married the king. And she was thrilled because he had a banner over her. And I told you a banner is what you put up is a massive thing that says this is a military or this or whatever. But for this woman, his banner was love over her. And basically what the writer of Song of Solomon is saying is that everybody knows he loves her. Okay, it's not a stealth relationship. Everybody knew it. He made sure that everybody knew it. She said that in the forest, he is the apple tree. And what that means is he stands out. Everybody can see the forest. You see what? A bunch of trees. But there he is. He is the apple tree. Okay, that's where the woman would gather her security from. She would gather her rest from. She finds him pleasing to look at. I know. Everybody, all the guys are going, I'll suck it in. How are we doing? Stalk fast, dude. But he is pleasing to the eyes. So she has comfort and she has security and it's mutual. I told you he had been out working late and he came to her room Bum, 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 bum. Let me in. And she says, hey, I've got my night clothes on. I've got my shoes off. I've all covered up. I've, I'd have to wash my feet again. I'd have to put my clothes back on. And then she thinks about him. So she goes over to let him in. And she could smell his fragrance on the doorknob, the door handle. But he was gone. So she searched for him. See, the guy, when he was told no, said, all right. That's the mutual love. All right. And she, I mean, she went after him and everything. That's okay. She guards him. When he's sleeping, she makes sure that nobody wakes him until he's ready. This is the mutual back and forth. And I'm trying to get this because... In the church, as in the home, 
there is leadership and there is following. But it's mutual. It's not a dictatorship. It is mutual. We have a mutual love for one another that is second to nothing. And I think there's times that we miss this. Now, what we're looking at right now is the priorities of the wife. The next section will be the priorities of the men. And I've already been warned by numerous people that I better have as many messages for the men as I do for the women. So I can see that this is working well. (laughs) So here we go. I look at this, and I shared with you historical background the last time I was here. How can this work? How can this be? You know, I I make fun of Solomon. He wrote the Song of Solomon. That was one of his first writings. One of his last writings, Ecclesiastes. I mean, you start off with, Oh, you are my alabaster. To vanity, vanity, solves vanity. (laughs) Okay? When realization sets in. Okay? But I, 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 how does this work? I mean, I shared with you in the culture that the letter to the church in Ephesus was written, you had the Roman influence, you had the Greek influence, you had the Jewish influence. The Jews said a woman was to clean the house. Okay, and if you didn't do it the way I wanted to, by Jewish law out of Deuteronomy, I can give you a letter of divorce and get out of here. I'll go find something else. Okay, in the Greek society, they were a little more forgiving. Yeah, you go ahead and sleep with other women. I think that's a good idea, honey. I'm going to go over here and sleep with other women or other women too. And then when we get ready to have kids, me and you will get together. And that was their society. In the Roman society, divorce was even simpler than here. I mean, the woman can divorce the man. Man can divorce the woman any time for any reason. What do we we hear out of Hollywood? Irreconcilable differences. And that's the society that God put a church in. All right, so you've got people coming into this church that are coming out of a Greek background, out of a Roman background, out of a Jewish background. And they're bringing all of this cultural thing with them, and Paul is setting it straight. How can we make this work? I showed you that historically. Let's be realistic right now. Our world is a mess and it's directly related to the American family. Where I see countries that are struggling, I can look at the family and see that it is struggling. I get... uh, Updates, uh, some of you, we, we give to an, uh, an orphanage in Orel, Russia. Lena is, uh, she's our representative there. And you hear these kids taken away by the state because both parents are wasted and prefer to be wasted. And these kids wait in these orphanages until they're 18 years old, knowing that Their mom and dad love them, and it won't be long before they come and get us. And they don't. Once you turn 18 in Russia, you're on the street. So the churches are grabbing up as many of these as they can, 
and trying to teach them a trade and trying to help them get established in the community so that they don't live on the street, they don't fall into the same pattern that their parents did. And, and yeah, they need to learn forgiveness because by the time they turn 18, there's enough bitterness there to condemn the whole world. That is the world we're in. And it's even today. When I was in Azerbaijan, it's petroleum. I mean, serious petroleum. I can't even begin to tell you. I have never seen anything like it. Uh, it's natural gas and oil. And some of the natural gas is just on fire. It's been burned as long as they can remember. And you sit there and go, well, you know, okay. I remember there was this Hindu, I don't know what it was, uh, sacred place. And this whole wall of rock is on fire. And it's just natural gas coming out of the ground. And the guy, I said, well, how long has this thing been burning? He says, no one remembers when it wasn't. The Germans were bombing Baku because they wanted the oil during World War II, and they would use that fire to line up their targeting for the city. They came in and see the fire, then they would know all they had to do was drop southeast. Okay? But what was weird about it, I mean, that's not weird enough, but what was weird about it, you walk out of this ditch, you get up where we had parked the car on the road, and I looked across, and there's this lake, huge Huge lake, several thousand acres. I looked at it and I thought, wow, man, why don't you take the water from the lake, put it on the fire, poof. Well, then the Hindus wouldn't have anything to do. But I said, well, what's the name of that body of water? And he says, that's oil. It's standing oil. And I was like, you got standing oil that close to an open flame. Can we go now? <laughs> Anywhere? You drive through little subdivisions. It's what I call them, subdivisions. Everybody's got an oil derrick in their backyard. Okay? You come out of the airport after flying in, and it's like walking into my shop about a week before Sturgis. Smells like oil. Okay? The Aziri, the natives to the land, can't have kids. The only people who are having kids are those Russians who immigrated. Every Aziri that I talked to said, Pastor, pray that we can have kids. Every one of them. And I mean, I was talking to this guy. He didn't have no neck. He just stuck on his shoulders. And uh, he starts crying. And he says, I just want a son, but I'll take a child. But because of their environment, for whatever reason, there's sterilization going on. I look in our country and we cast our kids away. Pitch them. They're a burden. I'm old enough to know that when I was growing up, you never heard about a parent killing their kids because their boyfriend didn't like it. I know five cases in the United States where the mother killed the kids because the boyfriend didn't want to have kids. See what we've done to the family? You know, and they, they tell me that I'm an old fuddy-duddy. But where I see strong families, I see strong nations. And as the family goes, the nation goes. 
But you have to remember something about the family. It is set up just like the church. There is leadership in the family. There is leadership in the church. There are followers in the family. There are followers in the church. It's a mess. It's a mess. I uh, I believe that it is based on one single principle. Okay? They hate God. Who created the family? Who created marriage? Who creates the little darlings that we call children? And if you hate God, then you hate that. And you do everything you can. I mean, you're telling me there's 50, what did I hear, 52 genders? How in the world you come up with that? Never mind. I don't want to know. Call me old-fashioned, based on science. But they're trying to tear it apart. This and listen, I can look down the road at some of this because I asked a guy who's supposed he's a he takes the title pastor. Okay. He says you need to love everybody, and that's why he welcomes trans, he welcomes homosexuals, lesbians, whatever. And I said, Well, they're welcome where I'm at too. They may not be comfortable, but they're welcome. I mean, I'm not, no, you're not allowed in here. No. But I'm not going to dial it down because of your feelings. And those of you who know me said, no, he ain't never dialed nothing down. But he's, I, I said, well, I got to ask you a question. I won't mention his name. What happens if a trans wants a husband and a wife? Trans goes two ways. And I've decided I love her and him. And I want to marry her. So you're going to do the wedding? Well, where'd you ever come up with that? Because that's where it's going, slick. I hate to break the news to you. If you give a mouse a cookie, thank you, I don't want any more. Or as they say in the Middle East, if you let the camel get his nose under the tent, he'll be sleeping with you. And that, what's to stop that? And you say, well, that's sick. 52 <laughs> genders is sick. But that is a direct attack on the family. And if you attack the family, what happens to the government society? Turn on CNN tonight. You'll get a picture. And I'm not saying that to just blast people. I'm saying you attack what God created means you hate God. Somebody told me a long, long, long time ago. Uh, I was out of town when this thing, when the Gaza started. He says, if they hate God, they want to annihilate Israel. If they hate God, they not want to annihilate what God has put in place. And that's that's just hard. And that's the society you and I are in. 
So if you got husbands and wives, right? That's changing quickly. But has, have you ever run into a family, a couple, where there are grudges in the relationship? I didn't hear a hearty amen out of that one. <laughs> I don't have a grudge. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> don't need a grudge if you do that. Let me give you a text. I, was, I, I just ponder this occasionally. Romans chapter 8. You all know the text. Verse 28 of Romans 8. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. That's kind of a cool verse. Those who are called according to His purpose. The reason that I say that is because it shows you what God does and it shows you what man does. Okay? So what am I saying? God causes all things to work together for who? Those who love Him. How do you know if somebody loves God? I can tell you. Do they love the things of God? If they love the things of God, then they must love God. See how that works? So, if I look at my wife and I say, I love God because He causes all things to work to my good because I love Him. Then guess what? I have to look at my wife and say, You're a gift from God. I will love you as God wants me to love you because He brought you to me and gave you to me. If you do not, then you're telling the world that you do not love God. I'll do it another way. I'll try something else. That's pretty interesting if you think about it. I like it. Because then it's not my fault. No. <laughs> and I'm anything, I don't get anything out of this. Okay? But, but these are things that, they're, if you think about it from a theological term, they're simple. But it's like I was teaching this morning in Sunday school. We get all these pieces, but sometimes we're trying to put the puzzle together upside down. And we just keep putting it in, and, in, and, in, and nothing seems to fit. It's really easy when you flip it over and see the picture. Then the pieces go together easier. And if I look at a relationship between a man and a woman in marriage then I need to look and say, okay, God, what does that look like so it will show the world that I love you? You can add on to that. How can you not love his people? I know some of them are a little harder than others. I've been around long enough to know that. But it still doesn't give you a reason not to love them. Because you know what's really weird about it? He loves them. And if he loves them, <laughs> you just run out of excuses. 
I mean, you can't even steer clear. You've got to show them that you love them. And it's more than icky sentimentalism. Walking up and saying, I love you. You know how I, I gave you a thank you card. See? That's not what it's about. I wish it was. No, I don't. I don't send thank you cards. But anyway, <laughs> I'd be in a world of hurt. So God is love. I keep telling myself, how do I do this? How do I do this? Okay, I'm going to show you how. Okay? I hope you all had lunch already. No. <laughs> Remember when I started this book a few months ago? I started this book and I said, okay, I was told by a really smart guy one time that Ephesians is the warp and the woof of Christianity. And you're like, is that a joke? What does that mean? So I had to go look it up. If you take a piece of fabric, you'll see that there are strings going this way and strings that are going this way. And you put them all together, all right, and it makes a solid piece. You know, they interlace. Okay, I'm a seamstress. I know this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is the warp and the woof. Warp and the woof. You put them all together and you have one piece of fabric. But it's all individual strings. That's what the book of Ephesians is. Feel blessed yet? You know how old of a dictionary you have to find to get warp and woof? So I want to take you, how is it possible that you and me can live this way? My wife submitted to me as unto the Lord and a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How you do that? I mean, I can read it. And we all sit there and go, amen. That's as far as it gets. So I'm going to show you how we do it. Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace. That's pretty awesome if you think about it. Grace, unmerited favor. Peace coming from the Lord of the Sabbath, who is rest. Sabbath is rest. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I need you to focus on one word right after who has. What is that? That is past tense. He's not waiting to bless you. He has already blessed you. What did he bless me with? Spiritual blessings. Which ones? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Please remember, past tense, I'm not waiting for this. The moment your faith is real to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, 
you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Whether you know it or not. Verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Do you understand (laughs) when you were saved? You were saved before there was creation. That's got to drive planners nuts. I mean, if you were one of these people who like to plan things, try that one. I don't have existence yet, but these are the ones I'm saving. That's amazing to me. Now, it ain't as frustrating to me as it is for planners because everybody knows I am not a planner. I'm just sitting there going, whoa, cool. <laughs> Let's shift it into another gear. He predestined us. You know what that means? It's predetermined. Romans tells us that even though we were yet sinners, He died for us. Why? Because He's already predetermined who will be saved. And the first thing that cruises through people's mind, that ain't fair. You know what? I'll look you right in the eye and tell you this. You don't want fair. You don't want fair. He adopted us as sons. Under Roman law, you can never get rid of an adopted child. If you have a natural child, any time that you feel that child has forsaken your name or shamed your name, you can have that child executed as the father. Okay? Any age. You can't do that with an adopted child. It's interesting. Through Jesus Christ to Himself. Okay, through the vehicle of Christ unto God Himself. And it's His kind intentions and His will. Kind intentions seems a little under, doesn't it? Kind intentions? He adopted me in Christ? To the praise of glory of His grace... Did you get that? We talk about the glory of the Lord. You know what the greatest glory of the Lord is? Right there. His grace. I mean, do you know how much grace it takes you to get your next breath and heartbeat? I told you I I taught on uh, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated. The first question up, oof. Why did he hate Esau? That's not the question. Why did he love Jacob? I mean, I know his history. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. So when he redeems one person, it is for the glory of his grace. And then he says this. He's on this grace thing. Then he says this, which he freely bestows on us and the beloved. 
Freely means it's this lavish thing that just keeps pouring all over you. His grace is just... Why? He is glorified in it. He's glorified in it. It's telling the Sunday school class. When have you ever been content? And has it been more than 37 seconds? Okay? When can you say, I'm sitting here, standing here, whatever I'm doing, and I am content? I was at the ocean, and I've always had it in my mind. I wanted to have one of them little beach chairs. I've got one of them little beach chairs. And you said it's about that high off the ground. And I just wanted to sit there, and I wanted the tide to come in and get my butt wet. See, my bucket list is not that extreme. But that's what I wanted to do. So I was sitting there. I was sitting there, my little feet now, looking at the ocean. You ever notice how calming the sound of the ocean is? You ever thought about why? You got waves crashing in the land. Oh, that's so soothing. Anyway, I was sitting there. And it dawned on me, I was absolutely content. I have need of nothing. I am sitting here looking at God's massive creation thinking, wow, He saved me. I mean, this is incredible. And then my butt got wet. <laughs> I was like, ooh, time, I've fulfilled my bucket. Time to move in. It is the glory of His grace which He freely bestows on us. Then verse 7, in Him. That freaks Paul out. In Him. In Him. I'm in Him. And you have to be. Why? In Him is where you get redemption. In Him, it is through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. It's important to be in Him. And then he adds this. It is according to the riches of His what? Grace. He talked about the glory of His grace. Now he's talking about the riches of His grace. And what we've managed to do in the American church to cheapen grace is astonishing to me. Because that is His glory revealed... And it is the riches of His grace that I have been redeemed. That I have forgiveness. I have forgiveness when I sin instantaneously. And I have forgiveness when I'm stupid. Verses 8 to 10. I like this word. Uh, The literal is made abundant which He lavished or made abundant on us. Okay, how did He make it abundant? In all wisdom, insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His, there it is again, kind intentions, which He purposed in Him. Do you understand that the moment that your soul is invaded By the Spirit of the living God, this is all yours in abundance. 
because God lavished it on his adopted children whom he redeemed and forgave of our sins. Verse 11, to the point we've obtained an inheritance. You ever thought about that? What do you suppose God would leave his heirs? You ever thought about that? Wow. I mean, what does he own? What's well, easier to say, what doesn't he own? And he has given it to his adopted in verse 11. Predestined, there's that word that everybody loves. According to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. What was verse 28 of Romans 8? He causes all things to work to the good of those who love him. So how does this work? To the end of who the first hope in Christ, to the praise of his glory. There's his glory again. What's your hope in? In him. Now, here's one of the things that I, I really enjoy, but then I get annoyed in my line of work because some of the stuff that I hear out there. In Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know what he's just said there? You can't hear some upbeat rock and roll Christian song and get your rear end saved. You have to hear the message of the gospel. The gospel of salvation. And I tell you what, if I hear another preacher tell me that music primes the pump, I might go to jail. The pump don't need primed. The gospel needs preached. I've shared with you guys before that people will come and tell me, you know, that they're saved and they're this and they're that and they're the other. And I'll look at them and I'll say, tell me five things about Jesus. And you can't use that he's Jewish. Tell me five things. And it is amazing the number of people who can't even get one right. Some of these people are pastors. But that tells me that for a large part of the congregation of Christ, they have no understanding of who he is. You had to listen to the message and listening to the message, you believed, verse 14, and the Holy Spirit sealed you. That is a pledge of your inheritance. Now then I got to ask you a question because the word is out there. How do you lose your salvation with that? If he chose you before the foundation of the earth and you listened to the message and you believed and ah, 
He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. It, oh, he misplaced your salvation? That's impossible. And yet I got people running. Well, you know, I was saved. I, I told you, did I tell you about the time I got baptized? When I got baptized? I was back getting baptized with this guy. He says, hey, this is my third time. I was like, well, we're supposed to do this weekly? What are we supposed to do? I don't. I mean, I didn't have any understanding. All I knew is I needed to be baptized. And I'd just come out of public housing. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to screw around with this. I need to get baptized. So I got baptized. And then this guy tells me, well, this is my third time. And I'm like, we got to do this regularly? I, did, I didn't know nothing about it. Multiple baptisms. And I found out why, but. But that, that is the deal that it goes on. I watch kids, they'll see their little brother, their little sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, something. Look, they got baptized. I better go do that. Look, everybody clapped. I can get some applause if I get baptized. Verse 15, he prays. This reason, having heard of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that exists among you and your love for all the saints... See, there's that thing again. Those who are watching God do all things for our good are those who love God. And if you love God, guess what? You love the saints. You love the saints. Okay? You had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you. Your love for the saints. Verse 16, I do not cease giving thanks. Remember what I told you what the worthy walk was? When you're filled with the Spirit, what do you do? You give thanks. This is what the Apostle Paul is doing here. While making mention of you in my prayers. How about that? That God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelations and the knowledge of Him. I'm giving thanks in my prayers, and I'm also praying God will give you spirit of wisdom and revelations and the knowledge of Him. Now look at what He's just given you to chew on. You were saved before there was a creation. There was no temporal you and I are temporal. There wasn't one, and He saved you. That's amazing. Then I heard your brain. That hurts my brain. My brain's like, wow. Well, did you know I was going to be this short? Or did He just save me and said, oh, look how short He is. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so you will know that the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints see this is one of those things that you and I will struggle to try to get our teeth into okay do I understand the hope of his calling or am I still running on my calling? Okay? I mean, I've had people ask me, says, well, how did you know that you were supposed to be a preacher? I didn't. And it, well, how did you do it? 
Well, the elders of the church asked me what I was studying, and I told them. They said, well, could you teach us that until we find a pastor? Yeah, I guess so. That's 27 years ago. (laughs) God, those guys are slow. Man. But I want to show you something here. I, I want your heart to be open. Listen, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. And I've run into some women that were doing just that. And I mean that in a very sarcastic way. Okay? How do you do that? Women, how do you do that? Your husband is a butt. But I can't divorce him. Now I don't want to go to jail for killing him. So, God, I love my husband. How do you do that? How do you overcome the things you don't like? Oh, I know. There's nothing about my darling I don't like. You know, lying is a sin too. He says, I want your eyes to be enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches, the glory of the inheritance. Okay, but then I want you to look at 19 and 20. And you sit there and you think, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. What is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Hmm. His power. What is that? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Okay, how powerful is God? You've heard me say this before. You will live your life according to the size of your God. My God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the throne in heaven. That's my God. So what in this world can mess with that? Keep that verse in mind. Keep it in mind. It'll come back and haunt you. He put all things under subjection. Every name that is named. Not only in this age, and in the one to come. It's all in subjection. It's under his feet. He gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his what? Body. And it is what? The fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a Greek way of saying, got it covered. To me, the 23 sort of ends with a, amen. I mean, that, that, you can't even do a happy dance for that. But he wants to show you what you used to be. 
chapter 2, he begins with this. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You ever seen a dead man? Everybody seen a, anybody seen a dead body? They're pretty much useless. They don't really... You can take that sucker with a hat pin. Everybody know what a hat pin is? Women used to stick them in their heads to hold their hats on. Anyway. You can stick that little bugger right there in the thigh with a hat pin. It won't blink. It won't tell you to drop dead. It won't cuss you. It won't flip you off. That's a dead man. You know what it reacts to? Nothing. And you and I used to be dead. That's not one of those things that I've never understood on how I found God. How does a dead man find God? Just a question. In which you formerly walked. Used to walk in our sins and our trespasses. According to the course of this world. According to the what? Prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Anybody here want to say, you know what? It wasn't that long ago I used to follow Satan. (laughs) Do you see that? That's where you and I were. We're following Satan dead. And the blood of Christ raised you to walk in the newness of life. That's what a baptism is. You've been buried with Christ in the baptism, his death, you've been raised in Christ to walk in the newness of life. That's what baptism is. It's a symbol of a truth. And verse three, in case you think that I wasn't that bad. I had a lady one time tell me, Terry, with the life you lived. She was being so loving. He had to die for you. But he only had to be whipped for me. And I'm like, gee, you got a curious shape of what? <laughs> that was very difficult at that time for me not to say, you know, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Because you just can't say that lovingly. Well, you can't. Think about it. God, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But see, we have degrees of sin. God does not. Among them, we too all. That's the way he is saying that ain't nobody getting around this thing. Formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind that where we were by nature children of wrath. Remember that verse right there. We lived according to the flesh. Okay? To the desires of the flesh. Okay? Keep that in mind. That is our condition. Verse 4, God's wealth. But God, there it is again, rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Even though we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive With Christ, by grace, you have been saved. Do you understand that? Grace isn't something that, well, he kind of owed it to me. I kind of cleaned up my act. That's not grace. Grace is, 
Jacob I love, Esau I hated. Why? Because he wanted to. It's amazing to listen to Christians today saying they have the decision and they're just trying to get God to buy on to it. No! You get your next heartbeat, your next breath, that's grace. That, that is amazing to me that we are so centered on ourselves that we think God is our butler. You know, I received Christ. What does that mean? Did he throw you a pass? What do you mean you received Christ? Well, I asked Christ, what? What did you ask Christ? Well, you know, to save me. Did you get the right number? Maybe you were talking to his administrative assistant. I've never understood that. No, he saved me. Why? I have no idea. This thing says for his great love for me. And that's hard for me. I know who I am. I know what I have done. Some of you know some of my background. You think, oh gosh, that's pretty. You have no idea of the ugliness. You have no idea of the heartache that I caused. You have no idea of the scars that I caused on people. I do. Why did he save me? I'm tickled to death that he did. And that never really goes very far. Therefore, remember ye formerly that the Gentiles of the flesh who are called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcised was formed by flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers to the covenant promises, having no hope without God in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but that there is seriously lost. Verse 16, that he might reconcile them both in one body to God. Jew and Gentile, he's bringing the two covenants together and saying, look, one. Now, for a Jew, that is very difficult. For a Gentile, he had no idea that there was one God. He had a God for everything. There was a drunk God, a sober God. There was a God for sex. There was a God for wine. There was a God for this, the sunrise, the harvest, the planting. Each of these gods were keeping them busy. And now you're telling me there's one? And now I've got to get along with these crazy Jews? Chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. This reason I, Paul, this is the reason the Apostle Paul came to you and me. What I mean by that, Gentiles. Prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you, Gentiles. If indeed you heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which is given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before. In brief, what he's trying to tell him is the fact that Jew and Gentile are one in the person of Jesus Christ is a great mystery for the Apostle Paul. And if you're really honest, it should be a great mystery to you and me. 
The covenants of Israel are mine? Woohoo! By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations have not been made known to the sons of men, as now have been revealed to his body, his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. That's where it came from. God gave it to the apostles. That was the twelve. And the prophets are the ones who proclaim. A prophet is a herald. The apostles have it. The prophets herald it. And that's how you heard it. That's how it got to you and me. Fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Hmm. So the verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God might be known through the churches and the rules and authorities in heavenly places. Astonishing. Astonishing. Flat out astonishing. I can't comprehend this. You and I have been ushered in to the family of God with the Jews. We are one. And we were once dead in our sin and trespasses. We were once children of wrath. We were following the desires of the flesh, the desires of lust. That's what we did. So in verse 14 of chapter 3, what does he do? I bow my knees before the Father, whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. Okay, no, not every family is going to be saved. But every family on heaven and earth that shall ever exist is a creation of God. It may be a creation unto wrath or a creation unto redemption. That's his call. That's not my call. That's not your call. And he prays. He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory. Remember that? He's already told us in chapter 1, the riches of His glory. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That you would get that. That you would understand that. Why? To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Inner man is where we make all them decisions that nobody else knows about. Okay? Verse 17, it dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know a love that is not knowable. Hmm. That's every one of us. If you're a believer today, this is all yours. This is just flat out all yours. Remember chapter 4 then? Well, I'll finish the prayer. You'll be filled with the fullness of God. When you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, you'll be filled with the fullness of God because the Holy Spirit is strengthening the inner man. 
And now to him who can do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. What power is that? The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The power that can take a dead sinner and make him alive in the person of Jesus Christ. Place him in Christ. That power. So, he says, I, a prisoner, the Lord, implore you. See, he picks that up when it began the prayer. He was a prisoner, then he prays. Then he says, now, I, the prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to what? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which he has called you. Walk worthy. Why? You got all of this. The riches of His glory. The riches of His grace. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's all yours. Walk like you have it. These are yours. These are mine right now. I'm not waiting on them. I just need to walk in it. And you know how you know it. Look what he says in verse 2. Humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he gets into one. There is one body, one Spirit, and you are called into one hope of your calling, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father over all, who is over all, through all, in all. To each one of us, grace was given. Uh, I just read that and go, <laughs> man. And I thought contentment was sitting with my butt in the water in a sinking chair. Okay? Walk. And you see down there, Verse, what is it, 11? He gave some as apostles and prophets. That's the foundation of the church. Okay? These guys had miraculous powers. Why? How can I believe you? You had to do a miracle. Okay? How do you believe a preacher now? Because he says after that will be evangelists, some pastor teachers. How do I believe them? We've got the word now. I mean, I can listen to somebody pretty quick and say, I don't think you've read that thing. Why? I want you to walk worthy. I want you to walk worthy. Verse 14, as a result, no longer to be children tossed to and fro or here and there by waves and carried about with winds of doctrine, the trickery of men by craftiness in deceitful scheming, speaking the truth in love. Listen, everybody wants to speak in love. Too many are forsaking the truth. I hear pastors today, some just talk. Uh, I seen a guy give a sermon on... Uh, Cats in the Cradle, the Harry Chapin, Harry Chapin's on, and but he walked around with a Bible in his hand, talking about cats in the cradle, and they're going to come home, and he's sitting there going, 
I don't remember reading that. I hear some will talk about the Bible. Okay, give you things to adjust your attitude with or adjust your your mindset. There's a very few anymore who proclaim the Bible, teach the Bible. This is what it says. Okay? Why? Well, how are you going to know there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism? One God and Father over all, in all. How are you going to know that? How are you going to know that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? How are you going to know that He has lavished on you the kindness of His grace and the kindness of His mercies? How are you going to know that? Listen, brothers and sisters, look at verses 18. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. There are too many who are walking down that line right now. Okay? Chapter 5. Because of all of this, and you're walking worthy, there's apostles and prophets who laid the foundation, and you've got pastor, teachers, and evangelists carrying on to grow the saints into the image of the Lord and Jesus Christ. Because of that, be imitators of God as beloved children. I had that. I had a cousin with me and my mom were with me during this little adventure. And they both made a comment. You act like your dad. I'm not sure it was a compliment, but I know what they're getting at. You know what he's saying here? Act like your dad. How in the world am I going to be able to do that? You and I, I just went through some of the deepest theology that any Christians could ever wander around in. And it shows you and me what our position is because we are Christians. Who we are. Okay? But here's the ticket. Forever in a day, I hear this. When I lay this out to people, they say, well, pastor, you have forgotten. This precious treasure is in earthen vessels. That's when I count to 10. I have to count to 10 before I respond. You're telling me that your earthen vessel can raise the dead. My God can. Why do we put so much trust in the flesh? 
And we all do it. We all do it. And yet He's always faithful. And yet you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Some of you have been exposed to God-fearing, God-anointed pastor, teachers, and evangelists. And I'm going to trust the flesh. The flesh doesn't raise the dead. So I got two little questions. Why would I rely on it? Why would I rely on my own schemes, my own methods, my own plans, my own ideas, or my own counsel? Why would I trust it? Because maybe you do better than I do. But my flesh, every time, let me down. And my God has never let me down. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just in chapter 5. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. How do I do that? So that He might sanctify her. This is what Christ did for what? The church. He might sanctify her having cleansed her by what? Washing of water with the Word. Now then, ladies, when it comes to submitting to your own husband as unto the Lord, men, when it comes to loving your wife as Christ loved the church, please read verse 27, that He might present to Himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Do you realize that your relationships are a direct reflection of the body of Christ? Ain't you glad I'm back? (laughs) I always think about 27. Because Christ wants to present to the Father church in all of her glory because of all the things He's given every individual Christian that we might be one and freak the world out. This is the reason I told you that when I started this book that I I pretty much figured there would be a scouring process because the book wants oneness. If you're over here sleeping, whatever, you're not one. How can you and I be the husbands and wives that this text says? Your flesh ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. 
you must be Spirit-filled. If you're Spirit-filled, then you've got no issues. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of simple. But you don't understand that earthen vessel I'm stuck in. No, you're wrong, I do. I may understand it better than any of you. That's why I put my trust in the Lord. Okay? Let us pray. Father, thank you for gathering us this day. We may hear you. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters will glean something from this. That was a lot of stuff to cover, but I felt like going into this, we needed to be reminded of our resources. Father, two sinful containers trying to be united, one submitted and one leading, just flat out impossible for man. But all things are possible through you. Thank you, my King. Thank you for bringing us together again. Thank you for the amazing things that you've done. And Father, I look with great expectation for the things you will do. I love you, Lord. I pray that each of us will love you more with every breath till that day our faith becomes sight. In Christ's name, amen.